Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Great to have you with us on the show today. Neil Kulong in a few moments to talk about the Steelers quarterback situation. It's amazing uh, how so much has changed over the opening few weeks of the season. But then again, that is the way it is in sports. You can go in and... It is now at the point where I always preface when I'm talking about teams that I broadcast for, I always preface going in, look, if they can keep stay healthy. I always say that. If they can stay healthy, this is what you think. Because you have to then start thinking to yourself, okay, how's it going to play out? We would have run here, for example, uh, a 49ers-Browns play-by-play cut, but it was just too easy. So let's go to something that was more difficult. The Cardinals force a fifth and deciding game. Old friend John Rooney with the call on the Cardinals radio network. Now the pitch. Molina swings and it's a high fly ball. Left field. This should win it. The catch is made by Duvall. Tagging at third. Wong comes down the line. The throw home. We're going to game five. Wong scores on the game-winning sacrifice fly by Yadier Molina. And in St. Louis, for game four of the NLDS, it's a Redbird winner. The great Yadi Molina tied the game in the eighth inning and then won it with the sack fly in the tenth. And by the way, former State College Spike Tommy Edmond has played a huge role in this series. Wow. All right. Then they, then they keep showing shots of the dugout. And there's Mike Schilt. And there's Ali Marmel, who's now the bench coach. <laughs> like, okay. I know all these guys. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about a, talk about a wow. Yadi Molina is now the the third longest tenured Cardinal in franchise history. He was there behind the dish in '04. Look, he is one of the top ten, and maybe you can go even further. One of the top five catchers in the history of the game. He's just he's remarkable. He had the longevity, the high level of play, the defensive prowess, the ability to get big hits. Yadi Molina is a special player. Wow. And he won it for them. All right. Big news, by the way. Did you hear the big news? Oh, what's that? The Steelers, of course, who have Hodges and they have Paxton Lynch. They need another quarterback for the practice team. It's our information. Inside information. Okay. Scoopage. That that new that new practice quarterback may be Neil Kulon, who now joins <laughs> us. Neil, welcome. Great to have you with us. You may not be able to elevate me, but what's really funny about it is both of these guys have ties to North Dakota State, a school we've talked about plenty of times on this on this segment. Um, Devlin Hodges, the Steelers presumed starter, 
um, coming this weekend against the Chargers was the Walter Payton Award winner over NDSU's Easton Stick, who incidentally happens to be on the Chargers. Yes. And then uh, Taron Christian was uh, South Dakota State's record-breaking quarterback who went up against NDSU many times. Uh, usually lost, but he actually beat him once or twice, which is more than pretty much every other FCS quarterback can say. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of crazy to see these guys showing up in uh, in and around Pittsburgh, in and around the NFL. It just kind of shows another year in the league and, and the development of a lot of the passers in this game. It's fun to see. So are you saying essentially that North Dakota State is the cradle of what we see in football today? Now, I didn't want to go that far, but since you brought it up, yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. You see the kid they have now. I um, just feel like Trey I... Lance is his name. <laughs> yeah, um, he is uh, um, highly athletic. He's from Southern Minnesota, and uh, they, they're getting great play out of him. He might be a Walter Payton guy uh, before it's all said and done. He really, he, he's played what I think four or five games, and he's already shown. Um, high-level ability, perhaps better than anybody else that they've had. So it's, uh, it, it, it's definitely turning into a quarterback school. Obviously, you've got Carson Wentz right. leading the way. So we're excited. <laughs> we're happy to see uh, where the future's going. It is, is, again, part of my job to really build up your school. All right, so uh, let's <laughs> – How is, is there any update on, on Mason Rudolph as to how well he's doing? Um, it, it, by all accounts, he's uh, vertical. He's around. He's talking. Um, I think that's a that's a relief in and of itself. Certainly, if you saw it live. Um, uh, oh, but yeah. it, they they're not given any type of timetable as far as uh, when they might expect him. And obviously, with that, you really kind of have to let the diagnostics do the talking. And who knows? I mean, it was, uh, we've seen players uh, sustain concussions, and you know, all the testing shows they're okay in about a week. And there are guys that uh, takes a lot longer. So. You hope for the best for him. Um, really dangerous, really scary situation. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that uh, the fact that he was in the locker room and what what appeared to be pretty good spirits says a lot about uh, you know hopefully his recovery and hopefully his ability to uh, to get back on the field. So let's talk about Hodges. He was a record breaking quarterback at Samford uh, along the way. Uh, what did you think of his initial look? You know, I, I think he availed himself well. Um, yeah. It, it, that's, that's about as impossible a situation as you can get. I mean, you, you don't game plan for that. There's not really a whole lot you can do. Um, to say it, it, they changed anything around for him, I don't know if we got enough time to really look at him, but his numbers were oddly similar to Rudolph's when Rudolph came off the bench. So, right. if anything, the <laughs> Steelers have gotten practice in the first five games this year uh, changing their starting quarterback. So, it, hopefully it's not something you have to see. Uh, too often in his season. You don't have many teams that have to start four quarterbacks in, in meaningful games, but um, Hodges is going to be their guy. I have absolutely no idea what they can really game plan, but you had to like his mobility. You had to like how calm he was. I, I felt that he uh, mm-hmm. uh, he read the field well in, in very adverse conditions. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's a pretty big game. <laughs> it was competitive the whole time, so um, he came in, he moved him a little bit, and, and really, um, he might have even performed a little bit better than Rudolph did when, when Rudolph first got in. So, 
you put all that together, I mean, it, it's uh, it's in game. Um, the Ravens couldn't possibly have anything to prepare for with him either. So, uh, the little bit of film that they're able to put down now, I'm sure, uh, Gus Bradley, NDSU graduate, by the way, uh, will will be able to look at that and kind of figure it out for what the Chargers want to do. Um, will will they be able to prepare for him? I mean, I I think so. There's a reason he wasn't drafted. So, um, it, it's uh, it it really is incumbent upon everybody else in the Steelers' offense to figure out a way to move the ball down the field. I don't know how they're going to really be able to do it, but uh, whatever it is, I'm sure it's not anything that we've really seen to this point. So they've got the element of surprise on their side. And no surprise, we caught that little jab you threw in there in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Gus Gus Bradley's a legend. He was there when I was there. Uh, I I, I used to work with him. In fact, I I was... uh, um, just a, a very, very extremely low-level assistant in that I basically went out and got the guys uh, pizza and Mountain Dew for their film sessions. They told me, sit in the corner, don't say anything. That was that was my pay for the job that I had. But you know, Bradley was the guy that ran the room and everything. He's a really, really nice guy and insanely smart. You know, it's not really a surprise he got to the level that he got. Hope he gets another shot somewhere. He was, yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people think he's a very, as a coordinator, a lot of people think he's a really good coordinator. Uh, I want to get to the receivers. What is it going to mean to this offense when the receivers decide to help their quarterback a little bit? <laughs> that, because that, right? I'll be honest with you, I don't think they've helped. I don't think they helped Mason Rudolph at all. The drops, even one play, they threw an out. I want to say it was to Johnson. And he he caught it and he fumbled it out of bounds. I mean, they're not. They, now they it stayed as a catch, but even on that they couldn't hang on to the ball. Yeah, I mean they're they're not doing a whole lot of things to boost the offense in general. Certainly, uh, if, if if you're looking at a, a rookie quarterback starting for you, the receivers are going to have to up their game in in a huge way. And I'm not just referring to. Uh, the big fumble at the end. Obviously, that wasn't you know ideal for what they're looking for. That was a great defensive play, uh, perhaps more than anything. But the receivers aren't winning one-on-one battles top to bottom. I mean, Juju's two touchdowns this season, both of them come off uh, some type of incident, some type of mistake um, on, on the part of the defense. And it's great that he can exploit that. And you'll, you'll get that uh, if you're out there working hard. But the, the other guys really need to step up and make plays. We're just not seeing it. I'm not sure... Uh, why it is that the continued fascination with Johnny Holton on, on vertical routes is a thing. Yeah. Uh, I think they're 0 for 5 on that in five games. That really kind of needs to stop. Top to bottom, you're just not seeing uh, Steelers receivers winning um, You know, it, it versus the defenses they're going against. And we haven't said that in a long time. The Steelers have always right. had good receivers. Agreed. But I, I think we kind of expected a, a step back a little bit this season. That, that's going to have to change real quick, though. All right, next up, uh, let's get to the defensive side. Can they play well, in your opinion, defensively to keep the Steelers in as many games as possible where now they can get, like in the Baltimore game, you're a break away from winning it? Yeah, I think they can. I think we've seen that at, at times uh, throughout the season. I mean, throughout game one, game one was really not indicative, I think, of, of what we would see from the defense over the next four games. They've played well over continued uh, stretches of time. It wasn't just one play or one series. Um, they're making hits on the quarterback. They're getting to the ball. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought they'd be leading the league in, in takeaways through five weeks, regardless of their record. I, I absolutely would have bet against that. Um, they're, they're making the plays they need to make, and it really looks to me uh, like the secondary is, is communicating. They actually understand what they're supposed to be doing and where they're supposed to be. Uh, that's a step forward, as you know. Um, over the last couple of years, we haven't really seen that. They're, they're coming into their own. I think they're, they're adding versatility that they need. They're, they're showing different um, looks to, to whatever offense they're going against, and they've had success against all of them uh, to some degree. 
Uh, it's a matter of doing it over four quarters. They, they're not doing that. Um, in, in my mind, you know, I, I hate placing singular blame on any one person, but you look at the play of Mark Barron at this point this season, um, it, it's not above board. I think he's really dragging him down in a lot of ways. And more than anything, which, which it, by the obvious. way, which by the way, all of us thought was possible when they signed him. Is this so? I'm not really surprised at the level he's played at. Yeah, it, 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 I didn't expect him to be on the field as much as he was. Really, I, I was kind of confused by the signing and the role that they're asking him to play. I don't think it works particularly well for him. Um, it, it, whatever it is, I mean, break down the film. You know, fifty different ways. Uh, we're, we're not getting quality play from him. That—that's what the film is going to show. That's what the Steelers are going to say. Uh, the less time he's on the field, I think at this point, the better. I'm just not sure uh, whatever alternatives that they may have. Um, but offenses know that he's there, and they're targeting him in the run game and the pass game. So they, they need to figure out a way to to get him up or get him out uh, if, if they're going to have you know sustained success over four quarters. Because in many ways, uh, that's killing. I don't want to put it all on one guy, but that, that's really been a problem. Two guys have been added into this mix along the way. One is Nick Vanette at tight end out of Ohio State. They've added him in, and obviously the big trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. Hey, how has Vanette handled the early going? Because you have to learn all new t- terminology and so forth. And how's Fitzpatrick handled it? The biggest thing is the amount of faith that they have in him, um, and, and he's rewarded them in that faith. Uh, it's only so much that you can really ask if you want a three-down tight end uh, to play you know, 85 90% of the, the, the snaps an offense is going to have. Uh, they, they've asked him to do that. I think he's performed himself well under those conditions. Uh, Barr is going to continue to raise as, as the season goes on, but he's a good player. I really think they executed that trade because it was something that they, they had wanted to do um, leading into this season. I think Seattle just kind of balked. They weren't really sure. The time came up, um, you know, a need for both teams to do it when they did, and then it worked. But if it wouldn't have worked out, I think the Steelers would have pursued him in free agency anyway. So I think they had an idea. Uh, for how they wanted to use him, um, and a lot of that fits his skill. I mean, we, I don't, you know, this doesn't say a whole lot, but I don't think that we've really seen a drop off in, in offensive ability uh, because of the lack of depth that they, ha- they have had at tight end. Um, it, they need to build that up as a strength. I think that's the basis of their offensive issues right now. They're, they don't have. Uh, much ability to be versatile because they don't have consistent tight ends. If, if McDonald is healthy and with Vanette out there, I, I think you're able to uh, to do a bit more, and you're going to have to ask him to do a bit more as the season goes on, but I, I think he's done pretty well. I know you have to get going. We appreciate the time you gave us and also uh, our new sponsor, the North Dakota State University <laughs> Alumni Association. <laughs> I'll, I'll let them know. that They'll call you guys twice a day, too. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Neil. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong, USA Today. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Wonderful to have you on this beautiful Tuesday. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And the uh, high school game will be uh, uh, here on Friday night. It'll be Shikolami and Holy Redeemer at Berwick. And then uh, I'm off to Iowa City with Jack Ham, Matt McGloin, Roger Corey, and Bob Taylor for Penn State's game at Iowa. Back-to-back 7.30 starts for the Nittany Lions. 
Time for some prime time. And we're going to find out in the next three weeks exactly where this football team is. Great. I'm looking forward to finding out. You go, If you're going to play in the Big Ten, you're going to run into stretches such as these. And when you run into this stretch, you just go out the old cliche, take it one at a time. All right, you take it one at a time. That's how you have to do it. Can't worry about, can't worry for a second about uh, what's going on with next week's game. Go out, have fun with this week's game. And I think you should embrace it. I talked about this earlier today. I was on a, I don't know, I think this one, I was on in both Omaha and East Lansing today. Yeah, I said this on one of them. Look, go out there, have fun, and embrace it. Who cares about the crowd noise? Have fun. Embrace it. And that, to me, is what... If you take that, and it's going to be loud in practice, believe me. It's going to be ear-piercing. What's interesting is that Brent Pry for the defense, actually takes, at times, will take the defense into Haluba, even on a day like this, because he talks a lot to his defense during the course of a practice. Well, there's so much noise in the offensive practice field. Every once in a while, he's got to take the defense inside so he can communicate with them. Because, look, when they're out there defensively, the Iowa fan base, like most home fan bases, settle down so their team can call signals. So you don't have to worry about the crowd noise as much. And the pro football focus grades were really good for Penn State last weekend. Some interesting ones um, that came out. Several players were given all Big Ten recognition for their grades. One of them, by the way, being Rasheed Walker. who was graded out evidently very well by Pro Football Focus in each of the last two weeks. Sean Clifford was the number one quarterback in the Big Ten. Uh, talked about his efficiency, 21 completions, 8.8 yards per attempt. Uh, when it came to wide receiver, K.J. Hamler was second team. Nick Bowers was first team Pro Football Focus tight end of the Big Ten. They talked about the three receptions for 66 yards, but they also said they have very strong grades in run and pass protection. Rasheed Walker, number one offensive tackle, without a pressure allowed on his 25 pass-blocking snaps. Walker also finished with a dominant game when blocking for the run. He had plus grades in each facet and was integral in pass protection along Clifford's backside. Second team, by the way, at center was Michael Mennett. On defense, Shaka Tony along with Chase Young were the edge defenders. Tony, while multiple pass rushers had big games in the Big Ten, Tony's three-sack performance and eight total pressures rose to the top next to Young. He recorded three sacks to go with five hurries as he chipped in with another defensive stop in the run game to round out a full effort. Linebacker. First team all Big Ten pro football focus for the week was Micah Parsons. Parsons flew around the field as well, most notably in the run defense for the Nittany Lions. While he chipped in with a sack and a quarterback hurry, he recorded four defensive stops along the middle 
of the field for Penn State as he roamed from sideline to sideline with ease. Second team in the flex uh, safety spot was Lamont Wade. So that's what we saw from Pro Football Focus this week and how they graded Penn State players. Geno Stone, by the way, of Iowa, they talked about his performance, number one safety. Absolute monster on the back end for the Hawkeyes. Even if they were unable to secure the victory, he recorded four solo tackles without a miss, two defensive stops, and allowed just a single catch into his primary coverage area. He picked up an interception, a pass breakup, and a 0.0 passer rating into his coverage area. Geno Stone had a pick last year, ran it back for a score. Heck of a player. Stone is really good. Robert Windsor, by the way, was also second-team pro football focus at defensive tackle. Missed him. So we just like to add that in from time to time. We'll talk with Cam Miller later in the week. Tomorrow, Tony Knopp is on the show. Yes, the dastardly business of money and sports. Which now, the suit in an interim spot is trying to figure out. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Tony Knopp on the show tomorrow. Tony, by the way, will be here next week. Tim Kelly, philliesnation.com. By the way, uh, I talked last week. Jack Ham's going to join us at some point next week, too, probably on Friday. Haven't had Jack on all season. Probably it's, probably the problem is that, you know, people are just too afraid to call him. Oh, wait, no, I just looked at him and said, you're coming on. He goes, good, okay. Uh <laughs> Oh, I'll buy you dinner in Iowa. You can join me next week. <laughs> Good. No, we were just we were just chit chatting, and he said to me, he says, "Hey, you know, I says I, I got to come on your show. I listen to it all the time." I said, "Yeah, sure. How about next week?" He goes, "Okay, great." <laughs> so it actually was his idea. That's how you get it done. Yeah. Hey, lucky, lucky, lucky. All right. Uh, so. The Rays will play tonight. Uh, the By the way, the commissioner of baseball, did you see this? Rob Manfred, there's some lawsuit going on with Alameda County and the city of Oakland. And uh, the purchase of land to build a stadium, and there's a lawsuit. Okay. And Manfred said, look, the A's could go to Las Vegas. Okay. <laughs> what are they going to do, build a stadium where the Raiders are going to play in Vegas? <laughs> I I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea. What a mess. So. Well, that word's been used to describe the... Uh... Alameda Coliseum for several years. Ironically I mean, any, any any place where the predominant story continues to be toilet backups is not good. <laughs> no. All right. That's how it was for Candlestick Park for quite a while too. <laughs> then they built that gem. Have you ever been to AT and T? I guess I don't know what's called now, but it's always been called AT and T Park. Oh, now where the 
for yeah, you. the Giants play? Oh, the Giants I, play. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Yes. Uh, well, it's gorgeous. That, that that is a great ballpark. Wow. Oh yeah, the blast the uh, home runs into McCovey Cove. Very cool. McCovey Cove, by the way, how big does it look on TV? It looks deceivingly big. And it is deceivingly. It is not big. <laughs> I'm standing there at the cove looking out going, eh, it's not as big as it looks on TV. But that's fine. This little pond of water, huh? Oh, it's a little bigger than that, but it's still... <laughs> well, not like PNC Park when you you got one-third of the confluence oh, there out there. Well, no, you got a river. Yeah. That's a river. Sure. Come on. That's a river. Uh, one other note on the on this letter uh, that was written to Jonathan Sutherland, which is, I mean, it's just disgusting. I, it's, again, I just I don't understand why for 30,000 people, 30,000 feet, people write letters to people they don't know. They just don't get it. You don't know him. You take a take a second to actually get to know him. He's awesome, great guy. Gives back to the community. You know, terrific football player, uh, dean's list guy. I mean, you know, honors the whole deal, right? Antonio Shelton tweeted out an image of the letter. Okay, and this. What Shelton has done is a he shows how much those players have their teammates back, which in turn has also allowed a lot of fans to step up to make sure they got his back. I'm glad I'm I'm glad Antonio Shelton took the time to tweet that out and make people aware that it existed. And I said I work with Antonio for three months this summer, along with Cam Sullivan-Brown, the intern with us at Channel 3. Hard worker, great guy, and he's having a really good season as a football player. And Sandy Barber put out her statement uh, and said, I stand with our Penn State student-athletes and appreciate how they represent Penn State in competition in the classroom and in the community. Their dress, tattoos, or hairstyle has no impact on my support, nor does their gender, skin color, sexuality, or religion. It's all about how people treat people. People are people. They may come from different lifestyles. They may come from different communities. They may be of different skin color, different religion, whatever. But if somebody treats, I'll use myself as an example, they treat me well, guess what? They're great with me. <laughs> They're great with me. It's a really simple litmus test. You treat people well, they treat you well, guess what? It's all good. And again, I have no clue. Uh, I mean, I've seen the name of the person who wrote. I have, no, I have no clue about them. I know nothing except of the letter he wrote. He did say the individual, Chip Minemeyer, did a good job of tracking him down in Johnstown. Uh, and I guess this guy's been a frequent contributor over the years to their forums. You know, on various topics, not just this. 
uh, he said, quote, it wasn't threatening or anything. I was just disgruntled about some of the hairdos that we're seeing. You think of Penn State as a bunch of clean-cut guys, and you do see so many who are clean-cut, but the tattoos and the hair, there are a lot of guys with hair coming down their backs, and it just looks awful. It's the same for the NFL and the NBA, too. Like, what does it matter? It's the quality of the person. And the players are terrific to me. They don't put me down for having gray hair, but that's great. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just I, I I don't just don't get it. I just find this stuff so baffling. And it starts with the ability to criticize somebody else from thirty thousand feet. To get to know somebody. You get to know Jonathan Sutherland, you wouldn't have written that letter. Oh, boy. Well, and Antonio Shelton tweeting him. Well, that's him. Guess what? I like when other people have someone else's back. like it a lot. All right. Baseball playoffs continue tonight. The Yankees are done. They took out the Twins in three straight. It's the first time a 100-win team has ever been swept. But it's, it wasn't a good matchup for the Twins. They just could not in any way, shape, or... They couldn't get the big hit. Last night was a good example. They had the bases loaded early on Severino. Couldn't get the big hit. They didn't score. When you have the bases loaded and nobody out, you have an 85% probability of getting at least one run. The Twins had the bases loaded and nobody out didn't score. Yeah, that game was... Uh... Two nothing for the longest time, and there was a hit out to right field, and the Yankees just made great defensive plays after another. To uh, yeah, yeah, Aaron Judge, yeah, Aaron Judge is six eight, and he needed all six eight to reel that in. In the National League, the Dodgers and Nationals and the Cardinals and Braves are going to fifth and deciding games tonight. It's the Rays and the Astros playing the fourth game tonight, and it's in St. Petersburg. Verlander goes tonight. So the playoffs continue. Tomorrow we're going to have Tim Kelly on the show to talk about the Philly situation. And in the Philly situation, Gabe Kapler is still the manager. And it just seems on the surface that the longer this goes... the more you think that he's going to make it. He'll be the manager next year. This is interesting, uh, the the approach that John Middleton is taking. He's trying to get in touch with as many players as possible to get their thoughts on the situation. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, yeah, to a point. To a point, I'm not crazy about that. Um, It just makes you wonder the amount, what, what... Kind of information that that he's getting from the players, if there's if it's if it's uh, you know what percentage is it leaning in Gabe's favor or not? I mean, I don't mind going to I don't mind going to some of the leadership on the team. You know, guys that you know are acknowledged leaders like JT Realmuto, maybe an Aaron Nola, um, obviously a Bryce Harper, 
and just kind of get a, a gauge from them as to what they think. Yeah, that doesn't bother me, but like trying to talk to everybody, I mean, you know, you don't know during the course of the year who was rubbed the wrong way by something. You just don't know. Uh, I think at some point you have to be a decision maker that has to make your own decision. You just have to. I don't think you have any choice uh, but to eventually be the one to, to make a decision on this. I remember a few years ago when uh, Texas was looking to get a new football coach. And the athletic director at the time said, you're going to form a committee? He says, no, I'm going to do this myself. I thought to myself, good. <laughs> I, don't mind, I don't mind getting as many opinions as possible. But at the same time, you want to make sure it's, quote, informed opinion. In other words, you make you make calls to people you trust, and I, you know, I'll I'll give just an example of that. Um, they did ask me to pers- participate in getting a new lady line basketball play-by-play announcer. So on my own, I went out, called somebody I trusted, that was linked to. One of the individuals that was interviewing for it, I said, look, send me 10, 10 minutes of what they have. I said, I don't want to hear his highlight tape. I just don't. I said, I want to hear him do a game. So send me 10, 12 minutes, right? And again, you go to somebody you trust. What do you think of the guy? How do you feel? And that's that's what you know where you can get into an honest conversation with somebody about it. Well... A.J. Hinch didn't need any honest conversations. He just looked over and said, hey, we got Verlander. We'll pitch him tonight. That's a good move. By the way, Tampa Bay is going to go with the infamous opener. Well, there's no such thing as an opener. That's ridiculous. You're the starter. If you only go one inning, fine. You're the starting pitcher, though. Opener. <laughs> and we have an opener. Great. Good for you. I always love about the, quote, opener gets through the first inning, and then they give the ball to a guy that's usually a starter who pitches the next four to six innings. Okay. <laughs> so I wonder about this stuff sometimes. I really do. Or the common sense of it. I've always heard, well, you know, some of these starters struggle to get out of the first inning. Okay. Right. <laughs> so you pitch them in the second inning. <laughs> Suddenly things magically change. (laughs) Because now he's in the second inning. He doesn't feel like he's the starter. So he's relaxed and ready to go. Sure. And how about Strasburg and Bueller? Now that. That'll be awesome. It's quite a matchup. And Strasburg. Who, who, to his credit, has been terrific in postseason. How about that? He's been terrific. Okay. Take a break. Wrap it up in a moment. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. 
Sean had the interim tag taken off many years ago. Many years ago. 95, yes. Yeah. The interim tag was taken off. My interim tag also was taken off. Some people continue to live with the interim tag. What can they do to possibly shake that, Sean? Got to deliver. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Scared of visiting your local car dealer? Or even peeking at their website? Don't be afraid to shop at Sunbury Motors Kia. There's no scary monsters or witchcraft at SMC. They're a family-owned dealership that's been in the car business for over 100 years. Right now, hurry in for 0% financing for up to 75 months on select 2019 Kia models. Plus, save as much as five grand off on a 2019 Kia Sorento S. $3,400 off on a 2019 Kia Forte LXS. And save an incredible... Incredible $9,600 off on a 2019 Kia Stinger GT1. The only thing scary about SMC is the traffic jam these deals will create on Routes 11 and 15. Car buying fears aside and get to Sunbury Motors Kia on the strip in Hummel's Wharf. Offer available to qualified buyers through KMF. Offers expire 1031-19. Warranty is over to powertrain warranty for details see retailer or go to Kia.com. By the way, Jonathan Sutherland did release a message himself. And he did so on Twitter today. I'll read it uh, verbatim here. Although the message was indeed rude, ignorant, and judging, I've taken no personal offense to it because personally I must respect him as a person before I respect your opinion. At the end of the day, without an apology needed, I forgive this individual because I'm nowhere close to being perfect and I expect God to forgive me for all the wrong I've done in my life. Well, I think that tells you who Jonathan Sutherland is, doesn't it? And, of course, he's getting universal support across the board. All right. But we want to at least make sure that was released and put in there. So here we are hitting the halfway mark of the season. And... Oh, by the way, there was a lot of stuff about did Baker Mayfield snub Richard Sherman before the game last night? Actually, there's video that shows that he didn't. Look, I'm not the biggest Mayfield fan to begin with. Um, I really feel that you need to, if you're going to swagger a little bit, you need to back it up a little bit. I don't feel like he's been backing it up. Part of that's personnel around him. Part of that's him. Part of that's the team they're playing. But just play. Just play. And last night, they got crushed. Now, he had nothing to do with the running game being stopped. But what was he, 8-22 last night? 8-22? It's not good. And then Nick Bosa really gave it to him last night, too. And that was goes back to the flag-planting incident at Ohio State after Oklahoma had that great win at Ohio State. Yeah, so far this season, four touchdowns, eight interceptions, 
about 1,200 yards passing. But the infamous QBR rating right now sitting at Rolling Rock, 33.4. Wow. Sherman said to NFL.com, respect the game. You can have rivals, but pay your respect at that moment, especially when you're young. He hasn't learned anything in this league. How many games has he won? He's acting like he was the MVP last year. If Mahomes did that, it would be one thing, but he would never do that because he has too much respect for the game. And Mahomes, you can tell Mahomes grew up in baseball clubhouses with his dad. And you can tell Mahomes respects everybody around him and respects the game. He really does. Uh, Sherman said, and when you see a guy who doesn't, you humble him every chance you get, but uh, because eventually he will have respect for the league or he'll be out of it. Browns had no comment on the situation today. The Browns shouldn't be commenting on any situation right now. They need to figure out how to win football games. I mean, because the Browns have a golden opportunity here. They're in a division that's not very good. I know your team resides there. I got it. That's true, but it's right. But it's been this this division has been, you know, known for a this, long time as cream of the cream of the crop. And but yeah, you're right. It's a mediocre. Or better than well, and that, <laughs> mediocre that to or me, less. <laughs> that to me is one of the issues with the NFL right now, though, Sean. You have obviously some really terrific teams. You've got some very good teams in the middle, but the drop off from the middle to the bottom is a chasm. I think it's a huge drop off in the AFC. I mean, you mentioned the Chiefs. I mean, that you got a, you know Chiefs Patriots there, but but then three on down. I think it's a big drop off. Let's give Indianapolis credit, though, for what they did. Oh, that was a great, long, how, great win. I don't know how long they can sustain this, but Baltimore is is a good team. The Bills are a good team. I don't know how good the Chargers are. I think you know, the Chargers kind of fall into that category of a team going sideways, but I think you have the NFC teams way up here, and you got AFC, the bulk of the AFC teams way down here. They're just... I, I can't remember as many bad teams all at once. The Dolphins are bad. The The Redskins are bad. Well, the Redskins are just an absolute flat-out disgrace, and as, as long as Daniel Snyder is running that show, I just don't see that franchise getting any better. I mean, the Bengals are bad. There's a lot... Of, the Jets are bad. <laughs> Elio's like, I was waiting for that. But they are. I mean, I mean, there are too many. That's the NFL is for a team that has so many elements in place to allow you to get better quickly, schedules, drafts, free agency, and so forth. How do you end up with so many bad teams all in the same year? Oh well. Tony Knopp tomorrow. Looking forward to it here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.